The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to another edition of the Characters of Christmas podcast. I'm Dan Darling here, and I'm so glad to be with you. Hopefully you're enjoying this Christmas season as we stir our hearts and our affections toward the baby in the manger, toward Jesus. Well, today I want to ask you a question, what's on your bucket list? And of course, all of us probably have a bucket list, right? A, a list of things we'd love to do before we die. Well, obviously the original idea for this came from the movie starring Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, this idea of high value experiences of uh, these things we want to do before we quote, kick the bucket. You know, some people want to climb Mount Everest for some, it might be to find true love and get married for some. It could be to meet a, a famous celebrity uh, for others. It could be to go skydiving or doing something like that or to write a book. All of us have something like that. Uh, I have a few things of my own that I'd love to do before the Lord takes me home. Uh, well, in the first century, you know, we wouldn't call it a bucket list. Uh, and Morgan Freeman wasn't there to narrate the, the hijinks, but the same desires that motivate us, uh, motivated people in that first century. And in the Christmas story, Luke records the longings of two otherwise ordinary people. Simeon and Anna make their cameo at an otherwise common Jewish purification ritual. So today we see Mary and Joseph and the baby uh, in our nativity sets and they're on our Christmas cards. But in the first century, we have to remember Mary and Joseph were just an ordinary Jewish couple to everybody else. There was no spotlights, no press releases, no TV coverage. They were just another Jewish family. And here Luke records them uh, in Luke chapter two, showing up at the temple for the purification rite. Uh, this was them following the Jewish law. Seven days after birth, Jesus uh, had to be circumcised. And 33 days, 33 days after circumcision, Mary and Joseph would have to come back to the temple for the purification ceremony uh, and the presentation of their child to the Lord for, for his service. This is what every Jewish family would do. Uh, but here's where the moment is anything but ordinary, right? Jewish couples would come in all the time with their baby boys and and fulfill this sacred rite. But this baby, after all, is the son of God, uh, the one whose words breathed out creation, the one who sculpted Adam and Eve from the dust of the ground and breathed into his own parents, the breath of life. He was, this is not an ordinary baby. And yet here's Jesus publicly identifying with his people, Israel, by submitting to the circumcision. Uh, Jesus perfectly submitted to the law the o uh, that only he could fulfill. Uh, the spotless one identifying with the impure so that Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and Anna, and all true believers might one day become pure. So when Mary and Joseph are coming to the temple with Jesus for the purification, right? They're carrying with them two turtle doves as part of the sacrifice offering. Now there were options uh, for those who came to offer a sacrifice. Ideally you would offer a lamb, a spotless lamb, but lambs were expensive. And so uh, 
a concession was you know was made in the law that for those who uh, had less resources they could offer two turtle doves and again there's some irony here mary and joseph are carrying in their arms the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and yet they're too poor to purchase a lamb and instead have to settle for less lesser turtle doves uh it reminds us again that the kingdom of God breaks in, not in the palaces or the private estates of the powerful, but among the common, the meek, the kind of people who have to dig for enough shekels to afford two turtle doves. And so I think that's an interesting contrast here. But here's the thing about that scene in the temple in Luke chapter two. Nobody in the temple that day was looking for a Christ child. Nobody was seeking a savior. Nobody expected on this of all days, a moment that would be written down later in ink by Dr. Luke and preserved as scripture for us to read today. Nobody saw that. There was a heaviness actually in Jerusalem that day and most days. It had been centuries since God had spoken to his people. And every time Jewish people trudged past their temple, they had to see that Roman flag flying high above their land, a slap in the face reminding them of their lost glory. And even in the religious places, even among the religious elites in the temple who poured over the ancient books and prided themselves on knowing every last arcane point of theology, they all were oblivious that this baby with his ordinary couple was the Messiah, the Son of God. But it's interesting, among the crowds that day, among the people at the temple, were a mysterious old man and a mysterious old woman who, unlike their peers, unlike the cynics, unlike the religious leaders, Anna and Simeon were anticipating something. They were believing and hoping and clinging to the promise of a Messiah. Would it come? Would he come in their lifetime? They held on to a seemingly impossible wish, grounded in a radical faith in the scripture's promise. Would God appear in the flesh? In their day, would he do it? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey, listeners. If you're a parent, then we've got a show for you. We know that parenting is not for the faint at heart. It can be hard to connect with your child throughout the many stages of their life. That's why Rabrina Reddle, host of Mama Take Heart, is back this fall. Wife, mom, writer, podcast host, coffee lover, and military veteran, Rabrina has a passion to help you be an influential voice in your daughter's life. In this show, she gives listeners the tools they need to love and lead well in their child's formative years. Whether you're looking for ways to intentionally connect 
or to have hard conversations. You can find the Mama Take Heart podcast on lifeaudio.com or in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You see, most people miss the signs and the prophecies and the star. Many dismiss the frenzied tales of those shepherds. Even the authorities ignored the searching of the traveling eastern kings. But Anna and Simeon, they waited and anticipated and believed. They studied the scriptures and the prophecies, but more than that, they listened to the voice of God's spirit. I want to stop here and say, are we waiting and anticipating God to do something to fulfill his promise? We are people who anticipate the second coming because we've seen Jesus at the first coming. We have experienced the first advent. In this advent season, we celebrate that Jesus has come, but we also anticipate the second advent. And do we have, like Anna and Simeon, a heart that's anticipating Jesus to come? To, do, to come. He may not come in our lifetime, but he is coming. And to have that anticipation and that hope that he's coming will make us stand out a little bit. It'll, it'll make us different among the cynics and the religious and the people who are just living for this life only. This was Anna and Simeon. So who is the Simeon character who just kind of appears from the shadows into the gospel story? What's interesting is that 2,000 years later, after all these Christmases later, we still really don't know who he was. Uh, Luke, who wrote his eyewitness account with painstaking detail, thought only one thing mattered in Simeon's bio. There's only one thing he tells us about him. He says that he is righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is, this is all that we hear about Simeon from Luke in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 21 through 38. He's righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. We don't know anything about his family. We don't know what town he's born in. We don't even know his occupation. All the markers that we use to describe ourselves and those we befriend are gone here. The only only one thing mattered to Luke in writing about this story, that Simeon was a faithful follower of Yahweh, who, unlike those around him, still believed that God would work to save his people. You see, Simeon believed the promise of a coming servant king, the son of David, that was threaded throughout the law and the prophets. He may not have understood everything he read, but he knew enough to believe. Simeon knew enough to listen to the Holy Spirit's whisper and was more in tune with God than the scholars who were paid to study and the scribes who were paid to teach. Imagine the scene in the temple that day. An old man, stooped and graying, coming to the temple every day, expecting the Messiah. The religious people probably point at him and think that he's an eccentric. They make jokes behind his back. Oh yeah, there's Simeon. He thinks the Lord's coming today. (laughs) But every day he scans the crowd. Every day he asks the Lord, is this baby the one? And every day the Lord says, no, Simeon, this is not the one. And then finally one day, one day, the Spirit of God whispers those words, Simeon, this is the day. This is the one. You will meet the Son of God today. Imagine that. 
Uh, perhaps Simeon's reminded of the way Israel's last great king was chosen. A, a similarly aging man of faith approached Jesse's lineup of young men asking the Lord, is this the next king? And the spirit answers Samuel each time. No, this isn't the one. No, this is not the one. No, this is not the one. Until finally David, the unlikely shepherd boy, someone from the shepherd's fields enters. And the spirit says, yes. This is the next king of Israel. Imagine how Simeon's aging heart leaped within him. Uh, and he asks, can I hold your child? And imagine what Mary's thinking here. I don't know this guy. This is the son of God. Do I let him hold my baby? And yet she does. And in his arms, Simeon carries the frail newborn baby whose arms, those arms which would one day carry Simeon from sin to salvation. Simeon looks into the eyes of his tiny savior, the same Jesus who holds up the universe with his power. And the words that well up in his heart are words he'd been preparing to share his entire life. Lord, you, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon says, I can die now because I've seen your salvation. You see, Simeon understood that this was no ordinary baby. This baby would not only be Simeon's salvation, but he would be the salvation of the world, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. This is the one of whom God spoke to Abraham when he promised that the patriarch's heir would bless the nations. This is the one of whom God spoke to David when he promised the monarch an everlasting kingdom. This is the one of whom the prophet spoke, a lion of the tribe of Judah, a suffering servant, a conquering king. Simeon had met Jesus, and Simeon, Simeon was ready to die. Of course, death is a hard subject for us to discuss. Ah, 2020 has been filled with so many tragic and un unnecessary deaths due to COVID and violence and so many things. Some of you have lost friends to cancer or to COVID, to violence, to other things that take people's lives. Death doesn't make for heartwarming holiday entertainment, but Simeon understood something. He knew that he could face death, something every one of us will face one day because he met the one who would conquer death. There's so much to learn from his life, but the most important thing to learn is this. If you have met Jesus, you can face death. Misunderstand, Simeon wasn't seeking death and neither should we. But there's a sweet assurance in knowing that if and when our time comes, whether tomorrow or in 40 years, we can face death with peace because we know the Prince of Peace. In my experience as a pastor, the people who are most full of life, who've walked every day with joy and verve, are those who are most at peace with their own mortality, who understand that this little baby in the manger we celebrate at Christmas defeated sin and death and the grave. This is the central message of Christmas. This is what I want you to understand in this series. Simeon also had a word for Mary. And it wasn't all sweetness and light and comforting. He looked at Mary and said, a sword will pierce your soul. He's saying, Mary, 
You've been given an incredible stewardship to be mother of the Son of God, but you will suffer. This baby would one day grow up and be mocked and be rejected of men by his own family. He'd be unjustly arrested. He'd be cruelly nailed to a cross. She would sit there at the foot of the cross and watch him die, watch them carry his body off the cross, put it in a rich man's tomb. She would suffer. Imagine a mother watching all that. And Simeon foretold that. And Simeon was joined in his longing by another pilgrim. Uh, like Simeon, we don't know much about Anna other than that, that she was a prophetess from the tribe of Asher. A, a prophetess is simply Luke's way of telling us that she was gifted and unafraid to, to declare the word of the Lord. And when we think of a prophetic word, we often think of predictions. But for Anna, it seems her most important ministry was to show up at the temple and remind God's people of God's words of promise and hope. Um, when I think of Anna, I think of a kind of steadfast courage. Here she is, a widow for much of her life, clinging to a distant promise, declaring good news to people worn out and weary. And she did this every day for years and years. And again, her presence kind of shows us the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. In an age of celebrity, we assume that God is mostly at work among the famous and the gifted. That the church is built on the gifts of those with the biggest social media platforms or largest congregations. But the church mostly advances and moves through the winding paths of the ordinary, the outcast, the misfits, the forgotten. You see, the nativity does contain some nobles like the wise men. But most of those people around Jesus were simple and otherwise ordinary. Luke tells us that Anna was a constant presence at the temple. She fasted day and night, longing in anticipation for the Messiah. Anna had her eyes fixed on God and was in attendance for the presentation of the Son of God. What a great testimony Anna is for us. Speaking God's promises over God's people. Speaking a word of hope in dreary times. Anticipating the coming of Jesus. Man, I hope you're encouraged today by Anna and Simeon. And I hope you are ready to face death by knowing Jesus. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas podcast is a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This Christmas season, we hope you'll also check out Dan's book, The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. It's available for Moody Publishers on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. You can find more from Dan and all his latest books and podcasts by visiting his website, danieldarling.com. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and tell your friends about us? And maybe also leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders, with editorial oversight provided by me, Stephen McGarvey. To find more great Christian podcasts like this, check out the rest of our shows at lifeaudio.com. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. 
With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.